Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This, he can shave whichever part of his body he wants. Welcome to this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. Four wins out of four for the regions. I cannot remember the last time uh, I got to say that. And the mighty Murph will be gutted he's missed this week. He's not able to join us um, and uh, yeah, on, on such a momentous occasion. But I'm delighted to say that we have got Harry Corrish with us once again. How are you doing, Harry? Yeah, all good, thank you. Good to have you back. Uh, still, yeah, loads to get our teeth stuck into this week. And uh, it's hard to know where to begin, really. Um, we're going to have a look a little bit later on at uh, the appointment of Eddie Jones uh, for Australia, which is a, a massive story. Obviously, Wales have got them in their in their group uh, in the in the Rugby World Cup later this year, and it's just a, a huge story. Anyway, we're also going to take a look at Warren Gatland's squad, which will be announced as you listen to this, listeners. It will e- have either have been announced or will be not far away. Um, but we will take a quick look at that, um, having picked our own ones last week. Um, but let's start with a, a review of the regional action and i think the the best place to start is is that win for the ospreys in the uh, in the heineken cup we said uh, a few weeks ago after that win against montpellier that they had to had to go and back it up and it couldn't be a flash in the pan and and they've gone and done it harry yeah yeah really enjoyed the game first off um fantastic uh, exciting second half as well which you don't associate with the ospreys too much but they really got it going in the end um yeah just it's massive doing the double over the french champions they're in really in a, a good position now possibly to to get qualification to the champions cup uh last 16 possibly and uh, with leicester already qualified um and then yeah you, you'd hope they get into that anyway but it was just tremendous from from the off really they really took it took the game to uh montpellier who it was a, a strong team uh they, they weren't uh 
they, they weren't um, taking anything for granted uh, with the likes of Lemser and Shalom, Moreau and, and th- those kind of players. So it's a huge performance. Um, again, it shows the progress that Toby Booth is making. Um, and yeah, it, it's fantastic for Welsh regional rugby, really. It, it shows if they can do that without uh, a function in uh, WRU and uh, all these issues with contracts and, and that kind of thing, well, imagine what they could do with uh, some order and structure. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it does speak volumes to the job that Toby Booth has done in order to, to get them to progress with all of that going on. And, and obviously that goes for all the regional coaches as we'll, we'll come on to. You mentioned there that, you know, perhaps sometimes the Christians and the Ospreys is, it isn't necessarily the most uh, attractive rugby to watch, but my God, they've got, uh, they've got, it seemed like an all court game really, because for all, we're going to talk about the forwards in a minute and, and how fantastic that pack was. Um, but the absolute highlight of the game for me, as I'm sure it was for many others, was that try from Justin Tipperick. Um, I mean, the, the sheer audacity to put that kick in, but then the work rate to follow it up and, and the link up from Giles. It just seems like it's it's players who are really, really confident and have got the licence to back their ability. Yeah, he was like a man possessed yes, yeah. uh, the other day, wasn't he? He was uh, controlling everything. I think uh, Toby Booth um, put out uh, before the match that it was uh, the battle between the two blue scrum caps. <laughs> Between him and Mercer, but I think he, uh, yeah, he's just class, isn't he? And he, he just keeps showing it and showing it. And I think a few people have, uh, well, may, maybe doubted him. I think he, he sort of went into his shell um, after coming back from injury, but he's back to his best now. He, it was like uh, the old uh, 2013 game against England. The Cuthbert's, uh, was it his second try, was it? When he, the the hands out wide and and even that like it's it's yeah it's, it's great to see him uh, on top form uh, and his rugby intelligence like to to drop on that ball first um, is just yeah tremendous from him um, but uh, back to the point of uh, Ospreys uh, yeah they, they, we've been wanting them to really use their attacking threats they've got such a, an exciting back line and they are guilty of maybe their forwards are excellent and they stick to that. But yeah, I think in these big games and I think for the rest of the season now, Ospreys really need to just go for it and use those attacking threats and uh, hopefully they'll uh, keep on improving. Yeah, and you mentioned rugby intelligence there and and obviously that's something that rugby, uh, sorry, that Justin Tipperick has in abundance. But also, I just think sometimes the the bits of his game that are are often overlooked, the the line speed in leading the defence was just absolutely incredible. Yeah, the, the defence was, uh, it's been a, a huge feature of their game um, in the past few weeks, that that urgency um, and that, that will to like back the next person next to you and that kind of thing. But he's such a leader, um, he's really taken it upon himself and uh, yeah, they, they're looking dangerous, a dangerous team now. I don't think many people would uh, fancy playing them at the moment. And it's amazing the turnaround in just the space of six weeks. Obviously, we mentioned that the game away at Montpellier before Christmas, but they've backed it up week on week on week. And again, a lot of that credit must must go to to Toby Booth. Um, but one man who we kind of keep mentioning whenever there's a big win for the Ospreys is is Owen Williams. It's just phenomenal the the difference that that he has made to that side, and um, just seems to be the the ideal ten for them. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a lot of qualities. Uh, 
a triple threat fly off, isn't he? But I think the most important thing for the Ospreys is, he, like I said, said it last week, but he's so calm, and I think he's a calming influence on that team. I think he really leads leads those forwards and that kind of thing. And I think they, they do look at him and seeing him against Montpellier, especially, you saw him floating in and out of that, that uh, first receiver um, position. And he, he just, he's making all the right decisions at the moment. Um, I think big shout out as well to Kai Evans, because I think the kick in, I think Carbonell missed two early yeah. penalties and, and it was really a, a big impact in the game. But back on uh, Owen, <laughs> Owen Williams, I think, yeah, he's, he's making all the right decisions at the moment. Um, and yeah, he's, he's having a blinder at the moment. Yeah, he absolutely is. And I think the that leadership <clears throat> he's bringing to the backs was perhaps in evidence even more so when they got the penalty at the end and, and Tipperick went over to him and asked him and asked him what he reckoned. Obviously, he wasn't taking the goal kicks. So it wasn't from from that position. He just, you know, knows that his his opinion is is that va- valued. And and again, it was it was the right call as they as they they bundled over the line. Yeah, it was a, it was a huge call really because I think we spoke about it uh, with uh, Ospreys versus Cardiff, and they they didn't have the confidence in their their own lineup. But I think it was partly they were confident and they knew they really needed to to push on their claim to get the victory. But yeah, it was nice for the fans as well, I think. Um, I think it's it's symptomatic of where Ospreys are at the moment, that they weren't just happy with a a tight win in Europe. They wanted to get the bonus point and uh, they were very confident in their abilities. And I think that that there's no reason why they shouldn't have been. And uh, that Morgan Morris finish then as well, um, it it vindicated that decision. Yeah, it did. And I think the... The decision making throughout the game was really, really good in terms of when to take the points. Yeah. And when you've got a man who's who's kicking like Kai Evans was, you know, just so confident. And I know he missed the one right at the end, but his uh, his kicking was absolutely superb throughout. Um, but then I think the other one, I, I think it was perhaps a bit more of a pragmatic decision than than just one for the for the fans. Because if you kick to the corner <laughs> that late in the game, you know, you've you've still got a minute to form the line out. And then when it happens, you know, Montpellier wouldn't have wanted them to kick to the corner because they know that they've then got to not only turn the ball over, but go 95 yards um, up the field and score. But nonetheless, uh, to get the bonus point out of it, they executed the game brilliantly. So, yeah, hugely, uh, hugely promising uh, for them. Um like you say, presuming they close the they close the job out, um, there's not going to be too many teams who would who would fancy playing them either home or away, is there? No, definitely not. I think that that pack would frighten anyone. I think they've gone up against Montpellier. They had a massive pack. Um, they, they had uh, Chalereau, Lamoset, Valenza. You're not going to get many more bigger packs. I think it'll be a big test against Leicester. I don't know what side. They, they'll be putting out. I don't know whether it'll be resting players as they're already qualified. But yeah, I think the the previous game against the Tigers, um, it was a bit of a nip and tuck um, with the forwards. So it'll be interesting to see how they go. But again, they're, they're playing against two of the best teams in Europe. So yeah, uh, I don't see uh, many teams uh, looking forward to that encounter up, up front. Yeah, and it is a another opportunity for the Ospreys to build on momentum next week because... Welford Road is, you know, is still one of those um, one of those rugby fortresses. I know Leicester have had a hit and miss season uh, to a certain degree this year, but getting a win uh, to to if you're end, able to end the campaign with wins away at Montpellier and away at Leicester, that just builds confidence for the rest of the season, doesn't it? Yeah, that that would be massive, and 
they've been playing well in in Europe, maybe not so well in in uh, the domestic league, but um, it'd be a tough tough ask. But if if they could get a win, then that's that's just the confidence. Just that's just, it's, it's unbelievable for them, and they they'll fear no one. Um, I feel like if, if they prove that to themselves, I think yeah, they could go all the way. You know, um, they got got a good squad. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see what happens with that. Um, but hopefully they'll they'll get over the line and uh, get a Welsh side into uh, the final stages of the, the Champions Cup, which Europe hasn't been great for the Welsh regions of late. Um, so I think it would be a huge achievement um, for them to get through. You might be um, you might be too young to even uh, to even answer this question, Harry. But uh, it was kind of mentioned in commentary a few times on Saturday that. This you know this would be the first Osprey side if they if they can do it to make the knockout since um, uh, since the two thousand and ten yeah eight nine ten I think they they made the quarterfinals. We've spoken to a number of that a number of that team over the years and they always felt it was um, it was kind of a, a team full of stars that, that should have achieved more in Europe. How do you think mm. this side kind of stacks up versus versus that one? Because it's different, isn't it? Because there's there's no shortage of stars in there, but it's not like the kind of the Galactico signings that there were in in the in the, the late noughties yeah the, the, it, it is a bit different um there's, there's a lot of a lot more hard work and that kind of thing i think um graham thomas who, who writes for for die sport he done a piece with um sean hawley and he wasn't too sure that they'd they'd continue their run but i think uh, looking at the work of Toby Booth and his side encapsulates um, his vision on rugby. Um, and I think um, if they continue that that kicking game, because um, they got a very interesting um, view on the kicking game, uh, they kick a lot more than the most sides, and they got a strong pack. I, it, it's it's interesting to see where they'll go um, because they've got all those ingredients. It's just those. I think it's the, the attacking um, threat they have. I think against Montpellier twice they really brought it out, mm. but they seem to go back and forth whether like they they put them under the shackles and, and that kind of thing. But it seems like when they go for it, they're a team that that, that can uh, really cause problems. Yeah, and one player who you mentioned last week when we were selecting our squad, uh, Ruben Morgan Williams. Who you know, if I'm if I'm being completely honest, I thought oh he's he's kind of one for the future, but that is a bit of a drop off mm. when Webb's not available. I thought he's absolutely outstanding in a game of that caliber to come on early um, and bring control and a threat and good service. I think kind of hats off. He, he, had, he had an excellent performance for me, as did pretty much everyone one to twenty three. Yeah, well the halfbacks were always going to have um, a big impact on the game, and uh, Webb started off really well, really confidently making a few breaks and then that massive Boutier uh, mm. tackle and took him out. And it was, I think I, I was a bit worried that may, maybe there would be a drop-off, but he played really well, took some good high balls, um, really kept the pace up. Um, and yeah, he, he done a terrific job. And I think the last few years, he, he's been trying things and it's not been coming off. But I think his, slowly, his game is slowly getting there now and more things are, are coming off. I don't, I don't think he's just yet the finished article and anything, but he's certainly in a good position at the moment. 
Yeah, he is, and I suppose having that experience of of web around him is probably a bit of a, yeah. a helping thing. I'm I don't know whether it's a cliche when you you know when you say that having experienced players around you, but I can't help but think uh, th- think it must be. Um, so yeah, so hopefully that'll uh, that'll continue. So yeah, fantastic win for the Ospreys. Uh, where do you want to head to next? Which of those uh, which of those games uh, would you like to like to cast your eye over next? Um, possibly dragons. Oh, um, right. Quite positive. Positive um, that they they got the win. Um, I think. Um, I think a couple of the young players played uh, extremely well. And after a a slow start, uh, which is uh, a dragon specialty now Customary, this season. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Uh, yeah, they came right back into the game. Um, so yeah, I think it was a. Like to win out in France, I know Power aren't, aren't the best team in the world, but I think it was a big step in the right direction for them. Yeah, I mean, a win out in France is always a, is always a win in France, but I think it, without wishing to to rain on the parade too much, it does come with that caveat. You're right. I think that you know it's not the um, it, it was a, it was a weird occasion on that that Friday night because it, it looked like a pretty poor crowd rattling around a fairly big stadium in the in the Pyrenees, you know. <laughs> so it was, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe that made the Dragons feel at home being in somewhere as cold as Newport. Um, but it was, yeah, I, I think again, it's that kind of that composure that not panicking when things don't go don't go their way. And at the moment, the Dragons are a side who are going to have a flat spot at some point during the game, as you said. There, it's tended to be early on. Um, yeah, but there was definitely there was definitely a degree of composure. You mentioned some of the youngsters stood out for you. Who were who were the ones who really caught your eye? Oh, um, Will Will Reed. Firstly, um, I thought he was really he, he really came of age um, in that game. I, I think he's, he's had he's shown little bits and pieces in their dragon shirt, but I think that's the first time I've really thought like he really belongs in that ten jersey. Um, and it, you, you saw a similar game for him as he's been doing for Newport um, mm-hmm. in the Premiership. Um, but he's got a bit of everything, you know, um, like even jackling over the ball. Um, I rem- remember the Premiership Cup final last year, which they won, and uh, he won that game with a jackal right at the end. Um, but he looks so composed now. Um, he, re- he really won that that 10 battle with that young fly-off from Pau. Um, but some really nice touches. He got, he uh, He's getting that Dragons play. Like the, the back play was lovely. They were attacking the edges beautifully, building the phases. He was swapping in and out from that first receiver position, which I've seen a few tens do lately. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really promising for, for him. He's got a lot of experience around him and he's, he looks like he's developing really nicely. And it's, um, again, it's an opportunity for the Dragons, this, isn't it? And I always think, you know, how, how often in the last 10 years have we looked at the Dragons at this point in the season and the league campaign is over? Um, and there have been a few Challenge Cup runs during that point, during that, during that kind of um, that time period. And I can't help but think that Di Flanagan will be looking at this again, thinking it's an opportunity to add a bit of add a bit of cheer if they can get a get a bit of a cup run going. Yeah, certainly, and it's all experience for that side. I think they, they'll want to get used to to winning now. Um, I think they they they're getting that culture together, but it's it's a case now of that high performance aspect to things. Um, so they they need to keep building on on these good aspects and bringing up the the slightly worse aspects back up to the 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 minimum line really 
Um, but I think, yeah, it's, it's big for them. Um, it, it'll be good experience playing up, up in Europe against some big sides. I think they, they've shown against the South African sides that they're well up for a fight now. Um, yeah, they've just got to keep winning. Um, I think it's, it has been difficult in those tight exchanges, but if, if they can carry on from, from this point, get a few more wins in the next couple of weeks, yeah, it's huge. And that that next game in Europe is massive for them, isn't it? It is, and it's, and it's in their own hands as well, which... I think after that loss to Poe at home, you thought, well, this this might well this might well be out of their hands. And but they do have an opportunity to to get the deal done at home to um, at home to the Lions. It's just, and, and also, I suppose they've played them quite a bit already. Do you see that's that's an advantage that they've already met what twice in um, once in the league and once in Europe? Yeah, massively, and it's that confidence that they can definitely keep up with them. Um, I think, especially for the Dragons. Um, I, I, sometimes you worry about them, and, and they, they they come out um, and may, maybe after like a, a difficult start, um, their heads will go down. But in in recent weeks, you've seen them um, have have a good fight back and and that kind of thing. But I think it's that confidence level. They know they can compete, um, and uh, yeah, they know they can cause issues. It's just getting that final touch, and they almost handed out in South Africa, didn't they? Um, so I think they just hopefully have worked on those areas now when uh, they'll be full of confidence and just take it to them now. Yeah, and I think the you know the improvement that we've seen since Di Flanagan took over, you know, it was always it was great that there were some some wins early doors, but then when you go through that barren patch of whatever it was, six games without a win or whatever it might be, six games not turning into seven, eight, nine, ten, I think is a, is a really big thing. And if you can punctuate the season with two two wins now, I think that will help confidence for the end of the league season. But I know I've said this before and it might sound a bit depressing, but the fact that they don't get hammered by by many teams now, whereas in the past, even those those narrow defeats would have been 10, 20, 25 point leads, I think is uh, I think is definitely shows progress and that they're moving in the right direction. So um yeah, I, I definitely it definitely feels a bit um, a bit cheerier in the Dragons camp, which is uh, which is good. We still got two more games uh, to review, Harry, and as we said, we're gonna have a quick glance ahead to uh, to Warren Gatlin's squad and the news that Eddie Jones um, uh, Eddie Jones has taken over as Australia coach. We're gonna do all of that in the second half, but first we're gonna take this quick break. Right into the second half, Harry, and uh, we've still got two Welsh wins to uh, to get our teeth into, which, yeah, doesn't doesn't happen very often. So um, hopefully this is a sign of uh, of things to come. Uh, where do you want to head to next, Scarlets or Cardiff? Uh, Cardiff first, probably. <laughs> okay. Probably a, a nicer game to to follow. Yeah, this is um, yeah, this is actually one I uh, one I haven't seen, so I'm uh, completely uh, completely leaning on you here, and I. Purely because my Sky Plus box didn't um, didn't series link it, and I couldn't find it anywhere. <laughs> so, uh, um, so yeah, I had to just uh, just read about it. But uh, pretty comprehensive. Um, I mean, I'm guessing that you know Newcastle are having a really good season in the league. I'm guessing that's where their mm. emphasis is, and you know, obviously they they lost the return fixture, but nonetheless, um, impressive score. And and again, it does it does quite a bit for for adding a bit more momentum back into Cardiff season, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. They needed that positivity back, really. Um, and that performance, they came out of the blocks um, really well. Um, I think it it showed what they could be with a functioning line-out mm-hmm. as well. I thought 
um teddy williams was exceptional um i think he's just come through now and he was very good but it's a very professional performance because defensively i thought they really impressed me um because they they, they were 28 seven up and and, uh, and that kind of thing and they really just wouldn't let anything go um it was a really good performance um several times newcastle got to their five meter line um and every time cardiff came up with uh with a um so uh, a penalty of the breakdown or they forced uh, a knock on um so i think that was the the most impressive thing um think attacking wise they really exciting they, they they were attacking on the edges um ben thomas was playing a big role um he's popping into first receiver every so often um, but most players had a good game um Balotau was just immense uh, as per usual but yeah they're in a good position you you, you don't they, they're not too far away um i think that they, they're just ironing out those little issues at the moment um but yeah I, I should the carly fans should be positive at the moment yeah and, and obviously they're in a, from a european perspective they've had a pretty well a flawless season really it's a competition that cardiff know well they've won it twice um in its history again will die young be be eyeing this one up and, and thinking we've got a really good opportunity to go deep into this competition I certainly think so. Um, I feel like this competition is probably easier um, for them to get any success out of um, rather than the URC. Mm. Um, I think they'll, they'll do well in the URC, um, but I think it's still that, that gap between the playoffs and, and maybe a few places below. Um, but yeah, if they get good draws and that kind of thing, they, they won't be too far off, really. They're playing some excellent rugby Um They've got a lot of good players and they've got a good squad as well. I know they've got they had a few injuries coming off on the back of that game, but you had like Jason Harry's come in, Harry Millard, which hopefully is his injury isn't too bad because he looked back to his best um, and played well for for the Rags this year. Um, so hopefully they can continue this form into uh, the Six Nations. But yeah, I don't really know what happens. Once a few players go with the national team, um, it'll be interesting. And but you, you'd like to hope. I think Domakowski played well. Will Davis King um, got himself about about the pitch quite well as well. So, yeah, hopefully they'll have options and uh, really uh, get back to to winning ways in the league as well. Yeah, I think it's always a sign of how a team progresses with how those fringe players do, and I think it's also mm. reflective of. The, the kind of the overall mindset because that's the bit you can never see as you know as a as a fan or a journalist in your case from the outside looking in you never know what the the camp is like necessarily but I think a good indicator is is how those kind of fringe players play and I think like you say someone like Harry Millard who's not um, not had a huge amount of opportunity for um, for Cardiff um, this season taking that form from the rags and 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 kind of and building on it i think is always is always really encouraging that there's competition for positions and when players get their chance um they're really really keen to take it yeah certainly and, and i think going back a few years now we we've seen a huge drop off um during those international periods so i think it, it will be interesting to see how things shape up at all four regions but there's 
there's a good feeling at Cardiff now. Um, they feel like that. There's a whole like everyone's going in the right direction. I I spoke to Steve Law at Cardiff, um, the, the Premiership side, um, and and after a few years of the, the, there was a bit of like misdirection and that kind of thing. But you really feel like the academy, the Premiership side, the professional side, everything's gearing to making these players um, as as best as they can. Um, so I think, yeah, they're definitely going in the right direction. It's, it's exciting to see what they're, they're doing because a few other regions now are copying um, their process at the moment. Um, and hopefully that will mean success. Yeah, exactly. And I, I suppose the playing devil's advocate, the looking at all of the sides this weekend, you know, four wins out of four, like we say, it's, it's, it's been a, a long time since we've been able to say that. Um but it was only a few weeks ago we were saying that everything's in crisis and obviously the ongoing financial uncertainty and things like that. You know, how do we, what do we look at the, the future with these regions at the moment? You know, do we feel confident that um, that things are going to carry on in the right vein or are there going to be a few more ups and downs? What, what's your overall feeling about regional rugby as a whole? Um, it's a difficult time. Um, I don't know what, I think we, we do need to worry for, for the next year or to because the, the budgets are coming significantly down and I don't know how that will work out, whether that means a lot of youngsters will go mm. or we lose a lot of experienced players who aren't internationals. So it's difficult to say on that aspect, but I think we are seeing, like, because of the situation, we are seeing maybe like Toby Booth, the, the, the job he's been able to do in the circumstances and even what Dai Young has done, because you, I think you said last last week he seems to um, he seems to really thrive under the pressure um, of things like at wasps, but it feels like there's there's not they're not far off. Um, they, they, it's just the pathways, just like I don't know, it's almost there, but it's not. But it, because the reason I say is it's almost there is there are a lot, still a lot of players coming through. That have got huge talent um, and look really promising. Um, because maybe a year ago we were thinking, where are these kind of players? What, why are the likes of Ken Owens, Fallatown not even being challenged? But I think now we're seeing a couple coming through and, and trying to to fight their way um, towards um, towards that. And I think we can be positive about the the amount of quality we've got and that kind of thing. It's just whether there can be a change now um, because at the end of the day the the relationship that the WRU have with the regions especially that there needs to be a change because otherwise I don't think we can stay positive and um, we'll always be stuck in this quagmire um, so yeah it's a huge opportunity for them um, but we'll have to wait and see yeah, absolutely agree with you on that. And the other point I find interesting there is, is you're right. You know, maybe even only six, eight months ago, we were looking at the the quality of the of the next generation of talent coming through. Mm-hmm. And I did I did have a little wry smile earlier when I looked at you know what Gatland squad might look like, and I think there's just a lot of young players who are really starting to show show signs of of something extra special you know I look at you look at Darry Lake's carrying coming off the bench um and you think everything about this guy says that to me I I said it last week I think he'll be a future Wales captain I think he is 
has all the ability to be world class, and he's you know he's ironed out that uh, touch word. He's ironed out that the weakness in his game, which was probably the throwing in, and he just looks like a player yep. who's born to play international rugby. And then you take players like um, like Dav Jenkins and Chris Chunza in Exeter, and you think, oh, actually, I can see where this this next generation is. To a certain extent, even like Murph said, someone like Carwin Tupolotu, who's very very raw, yep. but I thought you saw glimpses uh, in the Scarlets game of what a um, of what a threat he can be, and it's uh, yeah, it's poor timing for Wayne Pivak because you don't now look at that squad and have to say that there's a lot of um, a lot of exciting talent who is going to be in it, and a lot of exciting talent who, who probably won't even make the cut at this stage. Yeah, no, I think th- this is the important question now: is all these youngsters they're, they're showing promise at the moment and that kind of thing is. Can we get those type of high performance, really high achieving um, backgrounds in these regions? Because you look at teams like, I don't know, like Leicester, like Mm. Saracens, like Sale, it's all about success. It's all gained at making small margins, improving those players. Like Kieran Williams, for instance, he's he's got his, his game. Can he improve his game? Can he add things to his game? I think this is the massive aspect. And can can they afford um these types of um like things in these regions i don't know um but hopefully we we will be seeing that um you'd like to think it's going in the right direction um but yeah th- th- i think th- that's the main question is can we keep this level of high performance up because like we've got team like universities this high performance scale um, getting those links in play and it's just that final stage really with the regions it is not, can they continue to compete yeah and I think so much of this comes down to the coaching and not just the head coach but yeah. the coaches that you've got that you've got around you and it's often set and when budgets are you know when budgets are tight I just hope that that's not the area that um that gets that gets cut back on because I do think that you're right there's there's a real crop of of interesting talent at all of the at all of the sides but it's going to be the coaches who are able to take them to take them up to that next level, um, and obviously the international coaches are only going to get a limited a time, a limited amount of time with some of them. You've got to have that really strong um, coaching pathway. So hopefully we're on the on the right tracks with that. Um, let's finish then by uh, by talking about the Scarlets. Um, I mean, again, the, the the European competition has been a um, has been a really good. Uh, a really good campaign for them so far and has been you know a good antidote to um to the league season to a certain point feels like that that early form they had in the challenge cup they then translated into the urc and they've been able to to kick on with it again it's all starting to to look a bit brighter for Dwayne peel isn't it um yeah i w- i would say it is, is certainly looking good uh better uh definitely a better picture for uh Dwayne peel as he starts to see who those players in the squad that he can really rely on. Um, I, I would say some of the teams in their group, they they haven't really put up, I don't know, the um, great performances up against the Scarlets, um, saying, saying that nicely, uh, really. I think that's, um, that's but, always the case in the Challenge Cup, isn't it? Is there's, um, yeah, there's, yeah there's, that there's, is true. There's a lot of, uh, of mix and matching of, of team selection. 
But yeah, um, but as you say, they have been able to get a lot of positivity and take it into the league. So hopefully that will be the case once they return. I think the game against Cheat does, I think they slightly fell back into old habits. Um, I felt like the, the intensity wasn't there that has been there over the festive period and whether that's due to the amount of games um, uh, or maybe... I don't know, maybe they went into the game thinking, oh, it's done and dusted um, and we don't really need to go for it. Because I think they, they they opened up that lead at the beginning, but they certainly let the cheaters back in. That that the end of the, the first half bizarre, wasn't it? was just, it was very bizarre. Um, and I, I, I'm just a little bit worried about whether they're falling into old habits, but hopefully uh, they don't and they can take that positivity going forward yeah i think the defense remains a question mark for me because like you said some of those some of the some of the breaks and the tries were very very soft and and that's something you're going to have to cut out when you you know when you face tougher sides in the league um i did wonder about the the yellow card for Tupolotu as well i mean I don't know, you know, I kind of lose track with exactly what the directives are, but certainly going back to when, um, you know, kind of when tip tackles and players landed on their head were were front uh, front of mind. That was a red card in the, in those days. So I'm not entirely sure whether whether that's right or not. I, I, yeah, you kind of lose track with some of the inconsistencies. But again, when you talk about falling into old traps, discipline has been the one that has dogged the scarlets throughout the season. Yeah, and. It was a very strange yellow card. It was a—I don't think you—you you see many of those challenges with the the cheaters player jumping into it, and it, it almost felt like he went to tackle him, and then he realised, oh dear, he's up in the air, and then took his arm away. But he still, like, once you even go for it, you you do have that duty of care. But I don't know. It's a strange one. I, I do feel like it should have been a yellow card because he did like touch him and that kind of thing, but. It would have been harsh for a red, but it is very in that orange zone, I felt. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was, yeah, it was that weird um, end of the first half, early second half, where they really let cheaters back into the game. Um, that Their defence is, is strange, isn't it? I think when they've got the intensity and that kind of thing, they seem to be on the right track. But there's a few, like, there were so many gaps right by the ruck the, the cheaters were pouring through um and that i think the second try was it dan capala um from the cheaters where he just ghosted through um it was just too easy yeah. for them they didn't even have to try um so i think that's the worrying thing for the scarlets um i think the defense is still possibly an issue they're playing good rugby but i think that performance was more like the beginning of the season where they played some excellent rugby but a few mistakes in the final third. Um, but I don't, I don't know. There are signs there, like you said about Tia Pilatu, Um and, and I think the forward pack is starting to get there. So, yeah, interesting times. Yeah, Fafita, man of the match again, I think is uh, is encouraging. Um, I also thought 9-10 was, was a nice combo and good to see it. Rhys Patrick looked kind of a bit frustrated to go off when he did, I think. And um, some really nice touches from him in there and a, a, whether or not it's... You know, it's it's too soon for um for him to to get back into a Wales shirt. I do think he he has a massive impact and um and uh, and when Costello came on, I thought he 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 didn't have his best game actually. And I've no doubt there's you know I'm a big fan of Costello and I think there's I think there's lots more to come from him. Um, but again, I think in terms of how effective the the Scarlets can be when they've got 
both of them fit. But I think particularly when Patchell's able to, to have a, a big impact on the game, he's still got so much to add. Um, you know, his, his passing his, and his kicking and his physicality, you know, that guy is, is, is a real special talent if he can stay fit. Yeah, he kind of transforms that scarlet side. Um, I think that you you see glim- when he's at, at ten, you see glimpses of a few years ago when they were challenging in, in the Champions Cup and that kind of thing. He, he just brings that out to the team, and and he's just got, got such quality in in so many different areas. He can do anything he wants really when when he when he is fit and available. I, I do agree. I think him coming off and. Costello coming on, there, there was a bit. I don't know. It, it it didn't seem to click at first, and then as as he got into the game, it was very obvious that most of the ball was going to wherever he was in that back line. It was going straight to him. Um, so I think they really marked him well, and they knew right. Let's keep him out of the game. So I would say that as a possible defence for Costello, but I do agree that he didn't have his best game. Uh, but then he did show his quality then um, for the Johnny McNichol yeah. try. Um, that the, the lovely hands from John Davis, and then the timing of the pass then out wide, um, and then J Max uh, finish was was excellent. So yeah, he's got that quality. It's just I think he needs to grow in a roll a bit and, and add one or two things to his game. Oh yeah, and, you, and you're gonna have, you're gonna have ups and downs. You know, ten is a, a position about. Um... About experience and growing and and learning how to learning how to read the game, but yeah, he's you know he's an excellent an excellent talent, and I've no doubt we've got more um more to see from him. And then one player again, I just wanted to touch on who I, I think we mentioned a little bit last week, Joe Roberts in the centre. I just feel there's um there is again there is a the nugget of a really really special player there. Yeah, he, he he looks like he could be a test match animal. Um, he he looks very like assured of himself. He doesn't make many mistakes. He's got that physicality. He's quite exciting in attack. Um, so yeah, he, I really enjoyed watching him play and and develop. And hopefully he'll continue to get minutes now. Um, hopefully he'll keep away from injuries, which he has struggled with um, in the past few months. Uh, but like last season, he, he was fantastic, and and you feel now he, he's built on that experience, and he's really starting to uh, put a stamp on uh, that centre position at the Scarlets. Um, I think there were a few more um, positive performances as well. I thought Tiapalatu was just any time the Scarlets were were in a bit of trouble, they just give it to him, even behind the gain line, and and go and going backwards or even standing still, he'd make yards. And I think he's starting to be a go-to player now for them. And he's taken that, like, it takes a lot, doesn't it? Especially for a young player developing in that role. Um, it takes a lot of um, for for him to to step up into that because there's a lot of senior players about. Um, but I think he's, he's really doing well. Obviously, I think it's a bit soon for, for a Welsh call-up, but he's certainly... Like all all the the buzz around him coming to Wales and that kind of thing, he's certainly starting to fill his boots in, in that respect. And I think with uh, Callum Afoni next to him and uh, a few other um, experienced heads, I think he's he's going to um, yeah be pushing quite soon. Um, and then Wayne Wright, um, I just wanted to get your thoughts yeah. on him because he came on and he made a really big impact. He was solid in the scrum. Um, I, the, the scrum was a bit so-so. A couple of big um, hits in there but, as well, though, wasn't there? 
couple of big hits too and all of us. He looked excellent in the loose, didn't he? Well, as we said last week, that is a position up for grabs and um, and that kind of leads us nicely on to um, having a look at, at Warren Gatland's squad. As I say, you, by the time you listen to this, you may well know it, but based on the weekend, Harry, who, is there anyone you think kind of made a, um, a last-minute um, last plea to Warren Gatland to include him? Um, I think Cuthbert didn't do his uh, do any harms to his his call. Um, Joe Hawkins again, because I think a lot of people's criticism with him has been his performances are ospreys, and he hasn't really like wowed anyone. But I thought he was very solid. Um, good part, his passing was excellent. Um, physical physicality wise. He makes me does every time he carries. Um, so I think he had a big performance, and especially against French champions, he was excellent. Um, and then I'd say Mason Grady. Um, I thought he was exceptional um, for for Cardiff. He, he he really stood him and Fallot. I really stood out. But like he's lauded for his attacking abilities and and making game line success, which he did, of course. Um, but I think defensively he was, he was and Gatlin was watching um, and uh, yeah, he, he was fantastic. He, he was uh, holding players up, uh, ripping ball, uh, getting over the ball as well. So, yeah, I, I think he's certainly uh, definitely in the mix. Um, one thing we do know um, now is what the, the coaching um, team around Warren Gatlin is going to look like. We said when he got the job, you know, how... Obviously, it's going to be it's going to be different from uh, from last time round, and there were some important uh, selections ahead. Uh, so Alex King as attack coach, Mike Forshaw as defence coach, um, and then uh, yeah, and then uh, John Humphreys and, and Neil Jenkins remaining in um, in position. Um, let's start with Alex King. What do you make of, of that as an appointment? Yeah, it's a, it's a sensible call, I think. I think um, Gatlin knows him from uh, from Wasps. He, I think he needed someone that, that he could trust, like go to the, the trenches with, um, especially short-term, um, and then hopefully maybe he'll be a bit more long-term, but we'll have to see what happens there. Um, so I think it's a good move. I think they, they did play well under him. He's got lots of experience across France, England, that kind of thing. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I'm quite pleased with that move. Um, I think it was a sensible call. Um, so yeah, I'm quite happy with that. And then when it comes to defence coach, I mean, obviously, I, I think Sale have got the best, uh, the best defence in the English Premiership. So being able to 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 bring someone in who's been able to implement that that system is, yeah, you'd, you'd have to say is encouraging. Yeah, it's interesting they've gone with that rugby league connection, <laughs> the Wigan Wigan connection. The, yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? Where even the the thought of someone similar coming in, but the the way that he was received and and when he left, when the announcement was made, um, the way that Sale reacted and everything, I, I thought that was a big indicator of just how big an influence he had on that um, that environment because. I think they, they've been poor um, to their own standards in the past couple of years. But I think uh, under Sanderson, they, they've done really well. That defence is it's horrible when, when you look at it. They're so physical. Um, it's just nasty, isn't it? But um, I think you, you've seen the likes of the Curry brothers yeah. really flourish in that system. And um, I think we've got the same similar tools um, in, in the Welsh camp. And I think... 
it, it's not too long ago we had Sean Edwards. So I think a few players will be looking forward to getting back into that sort of system. But I think that's a really exciting kind of uh, appointment. And I think it, it, he'll really add to, to that uh, environment uh, within the Wales camp. Yeah, and I, I think um, the other thing as well is, you know, like you say, lots of these players still played under Sean Edwards. I know it was, a, it was a few years ago, but lots of them will have played under him. And, and it does yeah. almost feel like a bit of a continuity appointment, even though there's been three years in between and two and two different defence coaches. Yeah, certainly, and and it, it will be a. You, you would have thought it, it'll be a similar approach. He, he seems um, to bring the same kind of attributes as uh, Sean did. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think they hopefully they'll be looking for. I, well, I don't know how much they'll be looking forward to it because I, I think they will get blasted as soon as they're in that camp. Um, but yeah, certainly, I, I think um, it seems like we're slowly getting back on track. And something with um, with Warren Gatland's selections over the over the years, you know, they've not always been particularly easy to predict. Um, but I think an emphasis is is placed on character as well, and those kind of uh, you know the ability to to work really really hard and. Um, you know, and, and run through brick walls for for the team cause. And um, do you think again that's gonna that's gonna be a big part in in what he does? Even though there's a lot of players he's not familiar with. Do you think that the, the standards of, of what he wants is, is probably going to stay the same? It's going to be very interesting, I think, because you're one year out of the World Cup, and generally what you've seen from Warren Gatland's side is he starts um, going a little bit with a year um, up until whether it's a bit soon yet, I don't know. Um, but certainly you'll be looking at a lot of players and I think you'll be wanting to bring in some of these youngsters um, just to have a look at them. I know they had a look at Mason Grady um, in the previous camp. Um, so, yeah, certainly you'll, you'll have a close eye on on a couple of things. And it'll be interesting to see how many he brings in and and maybe outside the squad, does he bring anyone else in as well? Yeah, because I think normally, you know, you would have the opportunity to do that in the autumn. There's no real opportunity now at all, is it? This Six Nations is the one before the um, before the Rugby World Cup. Four years ago, he had a very, very settled side. Um, you know, mm. he kind of settled on that that ten and um, with with Anscombe at ten and bigger coming off the bench. He felt like a lot of the big questions were were answered, and they were able to go out and, and hit the Grand Slam. Uh, whereas this time round, you feel like as we said, there's an exciting crop of youngsters, but if he really wants to understand whether they've got it at test match level, he's, he's got to pick them in this squad. Yeah, and that, that's the interesting thing because he will be under pressure for performances after what has been a difficult time for Wales. Um, because I, I, I do think he'll be he'll have some leeway, but at the end of the day, we, we need to see um, a better performance than the last uh, year or so. Um, so it's interesting to see whether he re- he's really worried about his immediate future or whether, yeah, th- this is allowed maybe maybe one or two losses or, or that kind of thing. And he can really have a look at some youngsters. So I don't know whether he look for a balance in that aspect or, or not. But I personally like to see him have a lot of emphasis on the youngsters Um and then give them that experience of the World Cup and going forward then. But yeah, it's, it's, it's um, that, that million dollar question, really. Uh, yeah, I feel like it's closer to the 
to the 2011 World Cup than it is the others because 2011 yeah. we we had a pretty poor Six Nations actually and or certainly yeah. a fairly forgettable one and then he went with with a pretty bold approach to go into the World Cup and that back row of Lydia Warburton and Falatau. North was North was in there, and and Robertson Davis he'd settled on at centre. Reese Priestland, you know, was I think um, memory serves he was uh, set to start the warm up game against England as fullback, and then got moved into ten, and and ended up you know being the the guy to to steer them through to the to the semi finals. So it feels to me like it's one of those where I think he's he's going to have a look around him and see what um, see what he's able, going to be able to to kind of pull out out and and trust the the youngsters who he thinks has got the, the the ability to do it whereas in 15 and 19 I think he had his trusty his trusty steeds and, and knew he's going to take them into battle um so yeah it will be it will be very interesting and just when yeah just when you thought the the kind of international coaching merry-go-round had uh, had come to a halt uh, Eddie Jones has got the top job at Australia um obviously we're going to be facing them in the in the pool stages uh, do you think that's the right the right decision uh, for Australia? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it, it's a bit worrying for us. Um, at the end of the day, he's a top coach. Um, and whether things went well or, or badly with England is is a, is a different question. But I think he'll be relishing that role with uh, Australia. I think he's, he's always looked for it, um, and and that's what like I think it feels like that's his end goal. Like he wanted wanted that job maybe um i think the the last few months i think they, they look positive under dave Rennie, yeah. um and they look to finally sort of get something and then i think this all of them and whatever it just didn't really click and, and it, they fell backwards a few steps so yeah i personally think it's the right decision from from australia um and it'd be interesting then because i feel like they could go on a good run now um because they got a few like they got a good squad now um and yeah it's, it's really interesting yeah it is i i suppose the you know things things finished pretty badly with england um and you know he's got a an embarrassment of riches of talent really with um with the english players to choose from australia this is a very different australia to the one he would have coached in the in the early noughties you know this is a side which mm. um is having to to lean on youngsters doesn't have necessarily the established stars that um that he had beforehand you know you think of the gregans and smiths and Larkham and all of these all of these players were you know absolutely established internationals part of me wonders whether that actually might help Eddie Jones a little bit you know I think like I think what led him down to England was his was his selection all the players speak you know spoke pretty highly of him even when he lost his job um you kind of feel yeah. like here there's less of a I don't know whether there's a bit less of an emphasis on um on selection and more he needs to focus on the ability to to create a side out of by Australian standards, limited resources. Yeah, certainly, and it really uh, gets to his strengths. I think on on working with those players and improving them. I think looking back at his Japan team, mm. he found that formula um, that worked for them, and I think he, he, he you can only assume, but he should make do the same with Australia. He knows Australian rugby, um, and. Yeah, you you would have thought he knows how like he'll have a keen interest on them, and he will have seen how they've been progressing. Um, 
So, yeah, I would assume that it's the perfect kind of job for him. Um, I think selection is... Just, I, I don't know what his issue was. I don't know whether it was literally just because of the press and he was trying to, like, outdo himself or, or what. But, yeah, I, I think especially it's not long until his World Cup as well. I think it really suits him. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the the weird thing for me is, is like you, I kind of felt like they were... Made, I know, obviously, they lost to Italy, but I felt, kind of felt like they were just starting to click under Dave Rennie and... They, you know, they came within a whisker of, of beating France in their own backyard. And I thought, well, actually, maybe they're, yeah. they're finding their, their feet now. So I think the timing is interesting. You know, I, I don't know. If I was in charge, I would have been probably tempted to go with Rennie to the World Cup and then maybe look after that. But, um, yeah, they've, they've uh, made the big call. And one thing he does have in his favour is he's got an exceptional record when it comes to, um, when it comes to World Cups. Finalist in 03. He was a consultant in 07 with South Africa when they won it. Uh, took England to a uh, to a Rugby World Cup final, and as you say, you know that Japan side that that beat South Africa. So, uh, you know, I think he knows how to prepare a side for tournament rugby. Yeah, and he'll have that initial impact as well um, on that team. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it, it's it's a, a scary proposition possibly because you've got Australia playing quite well um, when, uh, and then obviously his impact on that team. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose the one slightly strange thing is that you know, there was kind of no no clauses in his um in his release to to stick him on gardening leave or anything like that. It would be fascinating to see England and Australia meet in uh, meet in the quarterfinals, which is a very real possibility. Yeah, certainly. Um, I think there will be some uh, fireworks going off there. Um, looking forward to the the pre match press conferences if that happens. Certainly. Yeah, I'd make I, if I was uh, yeah if I was a journalist, I'd be asking for for Bill Sweeney to come out and do the England one. I think and uh, <laughs> back his decision. Um, but that brings us to a conclusion for this week. Thanks once again, Harry, for joining us. Been uh, been great to chat to you. Um, thank you everyone for listening. If you've enjoyed it, then please leave us uh, a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast make sure you subscribe as well because we've um we've been publishing these on different days so i think that the plan going forward is we're going to do the uh the kind of regular domestic season podcast and put them out on a tuesday morning and then when it comes to the internationals we're going to do it on a uh, on a monday morning um and that's just down to the the uh, the time constraints on watching rugby and, and putting these together um but that's going to be the uh the the uh, the pattern of play going forward but if you subscribe you'll make sure that you never miss an episode so be sure to do that and finally as always a thanks to our sponsors at so coffee trades and um yeah i've got some uh, some interesting stuff going on with uh, with scott down at so coffee trades he's doing a lot of fundraising um at the moment uh, you may remember um he came on a few months ago um this is Scott Otten, the former Osprey hooker, came on a few months ago to talk to us um, about the uh, the mental breakdown he suffered after after finishing playing. And um, he's doing a, a, a huge amount of charity fundraising work throughout this uh, throughout this year um, in order to raise money for for Mind Swansea. So it's a brilliant cause. Um, check Scott out on on uh, social media, and you can find his Just Giving page if you uh, if you want to back those. Um, so be sure to do that. And uh, if you want to get some top quality coffee along the way, you can do that over at SoCoffeeTrades.co.uk. Right, that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week.
Sports Social Podcast Network.